The original cast this week is brought to you by Monumental Theatre Company's production of Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche. Directed by Jimmy Mavriquez, the show puts the audience right in the middle of the Sisters of Gertrude Stein's annual quiche breakfast, where threat of communist attack prompts some hilarious and not-so-shocking confessions. Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche. Tickets are now on sale through their website, monumentaltheater.org. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew, not with you to lean on, darlings, you. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. Today's guest is an actor and teacher who just finished runs of the titular role in Mary Poppins and The Beggar Woman in Sweeney Todd, both at Only Theatre. She's also appeared at Signature and Shakespeare Theatres here in town and is a graduate of Catholic University's Benjamin T. Rome School of Music. It's Patricia Hurley Carpenter. Hello. Hi, Patricia. Hi. How are you? I'm good. You're good. I'm in limbo, but I'm right, doing well. Right, in between shows. Well, you might not be by the time this comes out. You never know. Yes, that's You'll true. cruising along. And you chose... South Pacific. Bali High may call you any night, any day. In your heart you can call you. Come away, come away. Bali High will whisper on the wind of the sea. Here am I, your special island. Come to me, come to me. Yes, the original South Pacific, going all the way back to 1949 here. All right. Yeah, this is the oldest one I think we've. Yeah, this is the oldest show we've done. Is it really? It is a classic. I like the old ones. I'm an oldies person. I feel like it covers everything that a show should cover. It's entertaining. Mm -hmm. It's got wonderful character development you and you've got the comedic relief. You've got Mm -hmm. the romance and so on. Um, But it it has a, a purpose. It, you leave the theater thinking about something that perhaps you wouldn't otherwise think about. And you've reached audiences with an idea that may have not wanted to come to the table to have that conversation, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. That's something we've talked about before on the show, uh, actually with Avenue Q. Um, so you have sort of <laughs> subversive... Well, but you 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 know you, t- you get people into the theater with, with puppets and uh-huh. then you accidentally teach them something about the world and yeah this is definitely one of this is definitely that so before we get into that though could you do a uh, a plot summary of south pacific because this is a the original recording is short i mean it is only one disc it is like it doesn't have how many subsequent recording i think is usually two discs has like tons and tons and tons of stuff in it um so there's some songs that are kind of left out of this recording, there, by my estimation. There are, I um, and also in the, I use the Broadway Song Companion mm-hmm. as a reference when, you know, trying to learn shows. And there's a lot of numbers that they didn't even write into this companion, probably because they figured people aren't going to bother learning <laughs> it. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I don't know to type that one. I'm like, come yeah. on, guys, you didn't put that you one put in. that one in, and this that one, one and the other one. Um... All right, so what is the what is the plot of the... So the plot, you have Nellie, who is the nurse, and you have um, the Frenchman, whose name I can't remember oh, right it's now. It's Ezio Pinza. Emile. 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 So there's the romance between Nellie and Emile. There's uh, the romance between Lieutenant and Bloody Mary's daughter. Then you also have the relationship between Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary and Billis. Nellie falls in love with the Frenchman and uh, finds out he has two children from a previous marriage. That was edited from the, the original book. In the original book where they, South Pacific is two stories mm-hmm. from Tales of the South Pacific uh, that they've blended together to create the musical. Um, in the original story, Emile had like, 
four wives or eight wives and lots of children and they're like "Mm, that's not gonna fly in a musical so let's make her dead and two kids (laughs) from from another marriage and uh and then the issue will be like oh wait they're polynesian children oh you have biracial children oh right so that becomes the issue um, and that's kind of running through all the romances the whole, and things. Is exactly. That, yeah, they're all so biracial. The lieutenant yeah, falling in love with the um, with the Tonkinese mm-hmm. woman, um, you know, uh, and and ha- you know, dealing with the they here you have these American soldiers brought to the Pacific outside of their center, outside of the element, realizing that there are margins in the world outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole new discovery. And then you have a relationship with the island, with Bally High, and Billis's fascination with the island and his business relationship with Bloody Mary. So we're following these three stories. In all of it, you still have the mission of the war. So the lieutenant and the Frenchman go to on this mission, and in the process, the lieutenant dies leaving the Polynesian girl uh, heartbroken. Mm-hmm. But Emile returns, and when Emile returns, Nellie realizes nothing else really matters except the love and the people in our lives. So, yes, yes. I will be with you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and there's, there's uh, important themes that run through it as to what have we been taught that isn't true to life and relationships and um, what... What do we know about ourselves and the world around us that we can change and grow and have a greater understanding for? Um, all in the setting of World War II. Of World War II in the South Pacific. Ooh. There you go. All right. <laughs> That's good. It's, well, it's a big show. I it mean, is it's a, a big very show. big story. And there's a lot of numbers that take you to many different places. You know, there's the romance and then there's the showstopper like, woo, cross-dressing number. Right. And then you have this romantic mysterious island and all this mystery that surrounds it and uh, and then you have the thought-provoking numbers like you have to be taught and it it takes you to many different places mm-hmm. but it does it really well I, you don't I, I've never felt like it's never flowed okay. I've never had that feeling even listening to the album I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah but maybe I'm being nostalgic towards it well I mean I think it's a it's it's a gorgeous album. Um, I think I, it's. I think it's unequivocally Rodgers and Hammerstein's best work. I don't. I, I really don't have any problem saying that. It, it is. You could make. It's. It's just so funny because some of their shows are very problematic. Um, like you could make. I. I used to think Carousel was their best show, from a score standpoint, because that music. Oh, is the gorgeous, music's beautiful, and the lyrics are wonderful. But that is a horrible show. It is, <laughs> it and really and I is. don't know if it got because um, it was based off of Lilium that right uh, um, the play and uh, whose copy I recently gave to someone and I know I'm never going to see it again. <laughs> the problem isn't that they're in an abusive relationship. The problem is that the solution is that he hits her so good. You know what I mean? Like, that's the yes, problem. Yes. The, the problem isn't that it's an abusive relationship, but she still loves him. The problem is he hits his daughter through time and space, and, that's, and that <laughs> and lets her like, know he lo- that that physical abuse is, is equated with love in that yes. show, in a very one-to-one ratio. And that's terrible. And, that's absolutely and terrible. And audiences today are like, mm-mm. Yeah. Nope, it's nope. not good. It's just, it is not good. The music is music so is beautiful. Gorgeous, and there right? are absolutely. some scenes... That uh, in Carousel that you're just like oh if I could just take this part yeah and then absolutely throw it oh tons of them else. there's I mean it's it's a revolutionary show and it is it is super important and I think you know buy the album it, all none of that stuff's <laughs> on the album and, or see a concert version of it like whatever sing the songs but yeah it's a terrible show um, I, I'm not a huge King and I fan or Sound of Music fan personally and Oklahoma's fine. Uh, for a, for a jaunt, it's a fun for, show. It's, it's a, a much more show. of a, yeah. It's entertaining. You're not yes. going to get that much out of it. Yeah, it doesn't have that. It's not promising but you I, anything. I either. like that. I I tend to yeah. lean towards. Oh, let me just see this to watch it. Yeah, but that's but this another show reason is, yeah. why I like South Pacific because the audience goes to see this beautiful music that is well. At this point, we have grown up with it and mm. and know it. Um, to audiences that day, it was I think it was 1947. Oh no. Not what opened on Broadway in 49? 49. I, I don't... But it was addressing 
a topic that many people in this country could relate to, mm-hmm. which was the war yeah. and, you know, the kind of post-war feelings. And there was enough space to analyze what was going, what had gone on. Um, but it, And it was addressing topics that Rodgers and Hammerstein have addressed often in their in their shows, and that's the issue of race and our preconceptions of of other cultures before really understanding them. Yeah, it's it's a it's 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 amazing how far ahead of its time it is content wise. I mean, Rogers and Hammerstein were always on the forefront of you know experimental structures and and things like that. But this show is is just remarkably ahead of its time. Uh, yes, and they started a discussion that we are still having today mm-hmm. and need to have. And we need to continue growing and evolving mm-hmm. when it comes to issues of race in this country. And also what you see on stage and what what we're being, um, you know, as Americans, we're a melting pot. Mm-hmm. And yet the center of our society still is based on this Anglo colonization, not realizing that actually the majority of Americans aren't from that. Right. <laughs> so let's get out of the scent. Let's get out of that and, mm-hmm. and really be more true to America. <laughs> right. Writ large. Writ large. Yes, as a big um, concept. And also, it, it, and I don't know that this gets addressed in the show specifically, but we're fighting this war. The Tonkinese aren't involved in the war at all all. they're like why is this war being fought on our land right and either way someone's occupying them right yeah so here we are um yeah everybody's an invader i mean and it is that funny thing of like you know you have emil representing the french who were the first to sort of colonize the south pacific and then those asian colonies obviously all the way from vietnam to wherever we are in in the tonkinese islands and then he's still there as kind of a hold off from that. Now the Americans are there using this island as a basically a jumping off point to go exactly. attack the Japanese. Um, and it's, yeah, so it's just these people are just kind of <laughs> like, hey, I guess, and like, you know, Bloody Mary, who is my favorite character in the show. And I think the most savvy and the smartest one. Um, she is so smart in taking advantage from an economic viewpoint of the situation. Of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think she has the greatest perspective of everyone, anyone because she sees, she can sense who people are. You know, she sees that lieutenant and sees, oh, he'd be a good match for my daughter. Mm-hmm. She sees Billis as this, you know, his fascination with the island and his fascination with the, the culture there. He's more interested in that than what he grew up with. She's, she's able to build this um, business with him. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, and again, you're wrong, uh, view Bloody Mary as offensive sometimes. When you, oh, really? When you, so who is Bloody Mary exactly? I mean, Bloody this, Mary, I've never seen the show. I've, I've never seen the movie. I, I've seen not the whole thing anyway. Bloody so I don't Mary have a great is the mother to Liat, mm-hmm. who lives on Bally High, the island. Okay. Bloody Mary is the one who really comes to the mainland and does the commerce with them and interacts with the soldiers. You know, in the song Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary is the girl I love. Bloody Mary is the girl I love. Bloody Mary is the girl I love. Now ain't that too damn bad. Her skin is tender as Dimagio's love. Her skin is tender as Dimagio's love. Her skin is tender as it's like well no that's totally normal in her that's culture she, yeah, and exactly that's, right she is who she is she is yeah. who she is and you're actually the you're the weirder one. well here <laughs> yeah absolutely. but we're seeing this from the perspective of you know which is the audience i mean the yeah. audience yeah absolutely I don't know for certain if people see her as offensive or not. I think mm-hmm. um, in the actor playing her knows that, that she's the most intelligent person right. in the show. <laughs> right. It's not like a Mickey Rooney thing. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> she 
Wow, you couldn't go any further, though. Like, it's like is, not, she's not... Like, the most offensive that. thing ever. And I hope people don't view it <laughs> Well, it, it does come down... I mean, the issue of... I mean, we're two white people sitting at a table talking about this, but exactly. like, we're oh, the ones regret, here. Regret, we'll figure I, it out. I think this <laughs> um, the issue of, of dialect dialogue being written a certain way by some... I mean, Oscar Hammerstein, big white guy, literally, he's very tall. That is that is a problem. And that is a problem I don't know enough about to speak on me, me, as me a cultural either. issue. But portrayal, I think, is certainly the bigger problem usually the way the the actor is presented and the way the actor is allowed to present themselves exactly. yeah I mean, it's also rogers and hammerstein have i think where you're you're, you're right kind of an, an on balance positive and progressive view of race especially race on stage it is a positive and progressive view for late 40s early 50s yes which is not at all what you'd consider to be That's those views right. would not be progressive today those views would be highly regressive so that is that is part of the problem. They also have shows like you have South Pacific, which deals in, with a very. It, it's so funny, it's, you know, interracial relationships, mixed race children. These are heavy issues. These are issues that I remember as a kid in the eighties. My mother just asking me one day, like, "What do you think about?" I, I don't remember how she phrased it, but the basic gist of it was, "What What do you think about like a black person dating a white person?" And I remember or being with a white person. And I remember as a kid being like. Uh, whatever like i don't doesn't yeah, have exactly. anything on me and i don't know if she, if she was just checking in or what but it was something that was in the news it was something that was like a controversial issue when i was a kid which is 40 years after this show was debuted right so i can't imagine how controversial it was then I mean, then it would have been unimaginably controversial i think to have a major broadway musical where the prim- the main theme is interracial relationships yeah. yeah and um and uh, it, it the lieutenant's, uh, Lieutenant Cable's song, You Have to Be Taught, mm-hmm. addresses that spot on. You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. And when the movie was being made, they wanted to cut that song. Right. Um, but. Which Oscar is the whole show. It's the whole show. I mean, it's the show. whole it's show. Like you're yeah. going to cut the thesis. Yeah. Of the, Absolutely. The show it's the out whole show. Of it? That's the whole reason to come. That's what you're going to go home and think about. Right. Um, as far as, I mean, I grew up in a very international community because we were living overseas. So I mm. think it was never on my radar because it just wasn't. It just was. Ev- there was everybody and everything. Mm-hmm. Everyone was rich. Well, right. <laughs> just its own kind of problem. <laughs> Oh my god! But that, but that was, you know, we lived in a very international community, so it just mm-hmm. when 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 watching it as a child, it was always uh, or listening, you know, oh, watch that man out! I have, I love that song. It's so playful. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm yeah, in love. it's so much fun, and that's the entertainment part that you take away and you remember as a kid, and then as you get older, and in again in college, listening to it, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm. Oh, this is what this is about. Well, it is subversive in that way. I mean, I, that is a very, very subversive sort of. It is this very complicated. These very complicated themes are just are disguised in this very rich and lush setting with a lot of characters singing a lot of beautiful songs, which is why I think it is notable that it is their most beautiful score to me. I mean, certainly, I, I I've come around to that. I do. I I like it more than Carousel. I believe. They're kind of one and two, quality-wise. Um, the whole Bally High thing. It's just such a sweeping, it luscious... And it, it and Yeah, and it, and it lulls you into itself, which is part of, I mean, what Bally High is about, about the island, like, capturing this you. Mystery, and this... Right, and then as you, as you break it down, as you get down into it, it is just people caring about other people. Like, that's the whole, that's the whole thing, thing, and that's the most important thing. And then the backs of this luscious setting in the background of war, like, they come to this conclusion. Now, what's 
I was going to say, wrap up one point before I make another one. The what's they do have more racially problematic shows in their future after this. I mean, what's really weird about it is from here we go to King and I, which is what it is. I, I don't, you know, it, it's not great, I think, but it's also not bad. And it's, it's got some cute numbers. Exactly right. Some and I'm a, not a huge King and I <laughs> fan. But late in their career, and thank God they didn't close with this show, they do Flower Drum Song, which is awful. I mean... they in, were. I think they were trying to do something. Yeah. And that, you know, they're like, that let's gets, make... That gets pretty odd. Mickey Rooney at points. And it's... Yeah, and I don't think they intended it No, to. I don't think they it's intentional with, at all. No. Know, they're like, come on. Um, but it does get a little... It gets... And it also, it deals too. with some of the same themes... In an American setting, in a much more comedic way, and that doesn't that doesn't really work because these settings are like the lusciousness can lure you in, the comedy kind of distances you from them, and you end up laughing. It's such a fine line between laughing you, at and laughing with, yes, and they yeah. they never quite get there with that. Show. Right. The source and material also because, isn't as good. Like, I mean, I I also feel so if if I with my Irish heritage mm-hmm. make fun of Irishness, right. That's okay. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But but yeah, no. Not, you know. Rodgers and Hammerstein and Gene Kelly who directed that production like don't they, really they don't have, have a, a true don't have a leg to stand on. No. It's not like if Margaret Chow wanted to write as mm-hmm. she does about her experience, well mm-hmm. she knows it firsthand that's her life, so it's true. There's yeah. truthfulness. And and the, I mean and tons of yeah, authors have done that. John Leguizamo's done a ton on Broadway about his experiences as, as a Latino American growing up in New York and, and the implicit like racism that comes with that. They have yeah, they have a point of view to that experience. There's nothing Rogers and Hammerstein are going to add to the Asian American <laughs> experience American in experience in America yeah, exactly. that isn't going to be like because also in South Pacific all the characters we're looking at things through revelation wise are white people. It's, it's um, Nellie and it's Lieutenant Cable who have these like grand revelations about race really. And those are, that is us. That, that is, is us. our audience. What yeah. We, coming in and look yeah. and discovering these greater truths that Emil and Bloody Mary kind of already know. I mean, that they, they kind of have this, that awareness, this they, awareness they built that, in. That yes. And, and, so, uh, and Liat does too. That, so it is this sense of, you know, a white person's awakening to racial to the truths. Rest of the world. So exactly. The rest, right. You're not the center of the world. You're yeah. not. So that's a much easier mm-hmm. and more organic way for those two white authors to come into this issue. Whereas flower drum songs coming at it from the other direction, the direction and it just it just ends up being i mean i remember listening to that because i didn't know a lot of rogers and hammerstein and so when i started doing the show i decided just to educate myself with all of their their oeuvre and you know me and juliet pipe dream not great state show. fair state fair oh God, state fair but so i got flower drum song I remember, I think I tweeted about this, like, really? This is, like, halfway through, I'm like, this is a show? How is this a show? In order to grow and be a better society, we have to understand Mm -hmm. the downside of what was going on before and realize that you have to get uncomfortable in order to be a better person. Mm -hmm. You have to do that uncomfortable. Yeah, you have to have these uncomfortable kind of... Conversations. conversations right which this with this show really <laughs> allows for that um that, yeah and i mean and especially with the setting of being world war Two, i i grew up watching old world war Two themed movies yes you know, i think as we all war as bonds, we all did yeah and the romance behind it um but then you stop for a minute and really analyze it it, it was romanced to keep people's morale up. Right. And it's not till after the war ended that that people really broke it down and went to the nitty gritty. And, and, uh, and this show kind of merges that because you have the romance of it, it being the island mm-hmm. and the relationships. But the nitty gritty is we still have a lot of growing to do. We right. still have these perceptions and, under, and understandings of lack of understanding of each other that is causing us to fight each other, um, and uh, uh, we need to be better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I, even as a child always 
disappointed me. But it's a, you know, it's a great plot. Is when Lieutenant Cable does die, I always wondered, oh, well, what would he have done? Would he have gone back to the U.S.? Would he have gone back to the life that he knew and right. the girl that he had back there? The, the, what was expected of him from society at the time? Or would have he would he have broken out of that right. and stayed with Liat? Yeah. That's or would he have tried to take Liat back to the United to States? The US. Oh, that's another thing. A whole other. <laughs> which, that's a whole other show. Which much. would have been a bad idea. Well, probably. Poor Liat would Poor be Liat. depressed. Yeah, she would have. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, true. I don't speak the language. Right. That's true. She would um, have to learn. Well, hopefully they would. She yeah. She'd she learn would, English before they got married. I, well, and that's another question. Like, well, why should she have to go out of mm-hmm. her culture to be? With him, that's a whole other. That's a whole other thing, right? It's a whole other show. I mean, there are there there, and that's what makes this show so rich, though, is that it raises all these questions. But I think it also knows when to stop. Mm-hmm. Like it really does a good job of punching its weight. It 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 has a lot of themes to deal with, and it's going to deal with them in a clean and concise way. It's going to get where it needs to go, and it's not going to mess around trying to get too lofty or too like we're just right because we up... still want to hear the beautiful story. Right. We want people to listen. Yeah. When you want to sneak it in, I mean, that's the big thing, I think, with Hammerstein and Josh Logan, who wrote the, the book, it, getting it in there in such a way that you don't notice that's what you're getting. Because I think if you're too overt with it in 1949, people aren't going to go. Like, they're just not going to, they're not going to be a fan of it. It's going to be like, oh, it's, you know, whatever. It's, it, and that, it's, it's heavy. Like, it's, it's heavy. heavy. But it's and not it's also, heavy. It's, you know, you got to wash that man right, right out, out of your, your it's hair. It's white right. and you, and uh, <laughs> I love Honey Bun. Cause I'm having so much fun with honey bun Believe me, Sonny She's a cookie who can cook you till you're done Ain't being funny Sonny, put your money on my honey is the silly, silliest silly number. Yeah. It, it's got everything. You know, you're smiling, you're laughing, you're like, ah, that's great. <laughs> and and but you're still you're still taking home a very very important message. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard Mandy Patinkin's version of Honey Bun? No. Oh, pretty great. I'll play it for you. Oh, she's my baby and I'm a trap. I'm a baby, she's my trap. I am caught and I don't want to run because I'm having so much fun with Honey Bun. Believe me, Sonny, she's a cookie who will cook it till you're done. Ain't being funny. Sonny, put your money on my, 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 But it is, oh my gosh, it's a riot. It, it does kind of have, like you say, it keeps that leap, that light. There's also some excellent little theatrical moments in it, though, that I think are are kind of overlooked. Moments like the twin soliloquies, the wonder how it feels. Oh, yes. Between Emil and Nellie very early on. I was thinking about that in the car. She wants the damn view of the island. I don't want that, too. Screw the Frenchman. I want, wonder if I feel like living on a hillside. Oh, right. yeah. yeah. And then he We're just wants a hot, Pacific. sexy babe. He does, He's yeah. Like, His lyrics are a little bit like, like that. I've always wanted like, a younger woman. Do you really want each other? You just want the real estate and the hot and chick. The- <laughs> it's like. wonder how I'd feel living on a hillside, looking on an ocean, beautiful and still. This is what I need, this is what I've longed for, someone young and smiling, climbing up my hill. We are not alike, probably I'd bore him, he's a cultured Frenchman, I'm a little hick. But like, I mean, if you don't know South Pacific, because I didn't, you know, not too long ago I got this recording and, and dove into it. I knew Cockeyed Optimist. I know everyone I knows Cockeyed Optimist. Everyone knows Some Enchanted Evening. Everyone knows Bally High. If you know music theater, you know you've got to be carefully taught. Like everyone knows, everyone knows these songs. It is everyone knows. It is high on the Rodgers and Hammerstein level. Like people know tons of songs from the show right. with there good are cause. Staples. Yeah, are... absolutely. In the I'm I, Cockeyed Optimist is my class. I would say, have you sung sentiment. that? Is that um, is that in your book? It, it's not, but. Um, I'm putting it in my book. It's my you closeted song. I don't know why you would closet that. That is because I don't like... want people to think I'm. 
<laughs> but it's true. I'm like, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> I'm going to put on the rose-colored glasses. I know the human race falling on its face, but right. everything's going to be Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> well, now that's funny fine. to me. Coming off of Mary Poppins, as you were, at Olney, which is on balanced a cockeyed optimist kind of show now yes. there's a lot more oh, the, dimension and dar- there is there is in the character of mary poppins a lot more there's an unknown to pop mary poppins that keep give, gives you kind of suspense with her a lot of like yes, i don't know she what she, i don't know how she's gonna break right, here she's exactly. yeah i don't she's know what she's little, gonna do like which is what part of what makes her a character that survives um but it is funny to me that you'd say that you don't want people to view you that way because Mary Poppins is viewed that way. I think writ large. Oh, absolutely. It, well, with the, of, especially with the Disney standpoint, it's all very spoonful. The book of sugar. is much more. Um, she's a little bit. I wouldn't say darker. She's well, she's a enigmatic. More self-centered. Yes. Yeah. And more realistic. I mean, yes. which is funny with all she the likes magic. To catch any it. glance of herself. Yes, in the mirror. In the mirror or car right. window. Not car. <laughs> they well, don't whatever have it is, right. Store window. Store window. There yeah, you go. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, at Cockeyed Optimist, uh, I for a long time avoided it in my book because there was this phase where I didn't want to be perceived as cheesy. But the truth is, I'm super cheesy. <laughs> I'm super. How did you want to be perceived? Just out of curiosity, I, I never thought you was cheesy. I, moved, I was just saying, I've, I've known you for a number so of years, and I, I don't. Moved, yeah. I don't know. I moved around every three years growing up, and mm. every time I would run into someone, they'd be like, "You're the same," and I'd be like, <laughs> "I wanted to change." Okay. <laughs> nah, I don't. I don't know. The truth is, it's interesting. I daydream too much to really pay attention. <laughs> So I think I get distracted. So if I want to be a deep thinker, the truth is I fell asleep <laughs> reading the book. I'm just going to be honest. I wait for the movie to come out. <laughs> and then it's done. And that's that. That's <laughs> um, all right. Well, you're having fun. I'm more honest with myself that's, nowadays. Well, that's good. No, this is this is the point where... <laughs> This is the point in our lives, I think, where we either get more honest or much, much less honest, and, and, and we sort of go into deep denial about who we are. And I'm glad you made the choice to be like, this is me, whatever. I'll wait for someone to recommend it. I have a lot of books that are sitting and collecting dust that I've promised I'm going to read. Oh, so do I. It's Yes, but you actually eventually read them. Do, do I? I mine, certainly look like someone who does, right? Mine are just decorative. <laughs> It's like that part of MAME. Sure. <laughs> Books are so decorative. <laughs> it's like, um, my life. <laughs> anyway. It's I don't, okay. <laughs> you might be being a little hard on yourself, but it's fine. <laughs> I read magazine articles. It's about all my attention span can Good. handle. Well, it's all, but, um, there's too much going on. There's too much. <laughs> there's too much going on. Well, there really is. No, I, in, in a serious way, though, I feel like there was a point when I was living in L.A., and and working in that industry out there, I felt like I had to see every new TV pilot that came out on television just to be in the conversation about it's it. And, and I had I expressed this to a friend of mine who was working visual effects, and he was just like, "You can't." He said, "You absolutely can't." He said, "If you feel like you have to, you watch the ones that like you watch the ones you want to watch." And then you watch a couple others maybe that you're like, this is going to be something. Like, this is the, the show they're hyping. So let me mm-hmm. see what they're doing. He's like, you can't watch everything. You can't watch everything. And you this was 10 years ago that I had this thought. Like, now Nowadays, you, I couldn't even oh. I couldn't even be. And it's, it's what's funny is how, like, I totally used, as we sit here in the midst of my massive DVD collection, I mean, totally used to be the guy, as you might remember from college, who knew, seen everything and knew everything about it and was like totally up on it and had definite opinions about it and would chastise you if you hadn't seen. <laughs> yes, I remember being afraid. Yes, <laughs> most people were. And which is totally that whole high fidelity lifestyle that I was living. And now I'm so the other direction of just like, I haven't seen Stranger Things, for example. Oh, you'd like I it. I will. I will see it. Yeah. Because I'm a cue. I'm ready on. to go. But yeah, like, yeah. But I don't, I don't have the time to watch television right now. And I kind of have to, I just sort of at some point became, like if I want to have podcasts and write plays and teach and hang out with my son and get ready for the twins and do all that stuff. Like something has to give. Something has to. Change. And that gives. Like that. Just, and do yeah. you find like 
now I'm finding myself in the habit of starting something and then uh, not finishing it because I'm like, oh, okay, I think I know how mm-hmm. this is going to Absolutely. Like, I'm, I was watching, I finally was catching up on American Horror Story mm-hmm. and I and only got, dipped. I was yeah. just like, oh, okay. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> to, well, there's too much to, to watch. To counteract that, I need to watch stand-up comedy. So now I'm going through all the stand-ups that are on Netflix. Well, there you go. I need, it was too gory. Feel, that's so much fun. Though, but like that, well, that's the thing. Is like that's, I, I find myself unable to watch anything in one sitting. So anything that I can start, stop, and come back to, like you said, like a stand-up special. Like I'll finish a stand-up special eventually because I'll watch 10 and then I'll watch 15 minutes and then I'll watch – like you can watch it episodically. Um but like a mo- movies intimidate the crap out of me now because I don't have a, an hour and a half to sit down. Oh yeah, and I have started. Like, you are. I, I do have a number of Netflix specials and things on my iTunes that I've started. Watch Trevor Noah's. Oh okay, is that good? It's good, and actually, it's in theme with. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh wow, it would be. Well, he I was would, watching yeah. it last night because he's talking about. Um, he does this whole bit about the British Empire coming in to colonize India, mm-hmm. and everything, all of it. Yeah, is so true of just how, you know, French in North Africa, uh, England and India, and even how we as Americans, we were occupying the South Pacific and imposing our way of Mm -hmm. doing and thinking on this other culture. Yeah. And now this alter- other culture has to survive right. with with that. With that. And and because we had very, guns and ships. Very and... light little sprinkles of of that in here. Well, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> you, you can't ignore it. I mean, you can't. You can't. It's clearly be very like because they don't. The Americans don't belong on this island. <laughs> no, they're all getting sunburnt. <laughs> in a cult, right? Which is the. Tra- I mean, that's what you get when you land. I mean, I, I love Eddie. Is have you seen Eddie Izzard's bit on that? In Dress to Kill, with he talks oh, about years colonization. Best. Ago. It's based on flags. Like ten years ago. It's just they show up and they're like, "This is ours now." <laughs> and they go, "You can't. Yes. We, we live here. Do you have a flag? <laughs> no. Well, then it's, right. it's ours. It's ours. You yes. know, like whatever. And it does really. I have to say, I know it wasn't that simple, but it often feels. It, that it, simple. it does. Sometimes it's like, huh? Um, How did you get in here? Like, what are you, do- <laughs> what are you, do- what are you, you doing to, here? You have to watch Trevor Noah's. I will. He, he addresses it so beautifully. It is so <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, and it's very relevant. I mean, this show also remains current. I think it has never gone out of no, it, it and I think dated. a lot of it is because it's historical. You mm-hmm. can't when when something set historically and uh, it doesn't go out of fashion because it's something that has to be addressed and studied. And and nowadays we're finding this this uh, the Dutch election is today. Yeah, and they're having issues with you know um, uh, the Turkish uh, right. immigrants who who are there. And and this issue never goes away no it's never going to go away and we don't want history to repeat itself negatively and we're in a very scary time right now um but with shows like hamilton and um what there's a ton of other shows hamilton's the only one that i'm coming up with what is the point you want to make the point is is that for us to go home and think about the uh race in in our country and just not even race cultures just mm-hmm. other cultures coming together in in presenting that on stage it, for example with hamilton here you have a cast of characters who aren't stereotypically who don't look like the historical, historical figure. figures they're playing well, that, right. but they're making a point with that right and that should never be lost yeah um and I well, we need to have. The, I mean, well, you said you said earlier this whole thing of like we need to have the conversation, even though it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's occurred to me that kind of when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties, where we all felt very enlightened, I think we actually were ignoring the conversation. I think that's what we're bearing oh, out now. Definitely guilty of ignoring. Yeah, well, I think we all are. I think it was this thing of like all the the racism that is coming to the fore in a very comfortable way right now that we I think we find shocking. I think we only find it shocking because people of privilege thought it was dealt with when actually it wasn't dealt with. We were just sort of all being polite mm-hmm. in a kind of in a in an on the top way. Obviously, well, underneath any people in, you know, poor or and, and other uh, econ- economically unfortunate uh, situations and racial minorities will tell you it was not fine ever. It's just now coming to the surface, which is what needs to happen so that it can be addressed, dismissed, and dealt with. Mm -hmm. Not just pushed away. 
not just sort of, and it's going to be but super uncomfortable. Fixed. Well, like, fixed, right, and resolved. Let's, and, let's let's do something about this. Yeah, why, you know, um, why should every casting notice be Caucasian? This blah 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 blah. It, you know, and then you put for Hamilton a casting notice that says looking for um, Latino or African American or what right. have you, and people are getting mad about that. Minds. It's yeah. like, um, I'm sorry. Put yourself in the in the shoes of someone who's had a look at Caucasian, Caucasian, Caucasian. Right. When it's unnecessarily, you don't necessarily need to cast it as Caucasian. Right. Yeah, it's just it. Well, it's the viewing as I've talked about that a lot on this show. Actually, it's the viewing of 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 the white male as default, and everything else is a variation on that theme, instead of being like people mm-hmm. is the default, and then whatever it is going whatever forward. Version. And it is that issue of the quote that I love that I think is going to be the, sort of the quote of of the next. God knows how many years. Whenever you're accustomed to privilege, equality feels like oppression because you're not used to everything not being for you. Yeah. So when you see something you want, like George Washington, in, to play George Washington and Hamilton, and you are explicitly not included, you jump up and down and scream because everything else ever that you've wanted, you have you've been, been offered. Have. Yeah, it's, it's you've, you're in the Venn diagram. And when you're suddenly not in the Venn diagram for one thing you want, you freak out. And that is absolutely what is happening in the country is that people have sort of, you know, as, as, as minorities over the last eight years felt more and more comfortable and people started to address, you know, racial minorities and, and, and gender equality and LGBT issues as these things all came to the fore and started to get better. People who were in a position of privilege, straight white people, said hey hang on <laughs> wait a minute this is like i, I kind of like i mean we're then. equal but that doesn't mean you're the same as me it's like well sorry which in is that same way which is interesting because you know conservative is very much uh, i could be wrong the conservative viewpoint is very much um the individual's experience you as a singular mm-hmm. person go out there and you know live the freedom in your life and pursue um, whereas the liberal is more, you know, we as a group need to yes. work on this. So that yeah. that is a very good point. Um, the funny thing is, though, and the conservatives don't want these groups imposing a way of life on them. Right. But on the other hand, the conservatives are doing the same thing exactly as right. a group. Yeah. <laughs> too. It is funny. Yeah. I mean, well, because there's no, there is no ideological purity in these sort of, we all have issues that we are liberal and conservative about. We all have things that we think we should be dealing with individually, and we all have things that we think, well, no, everybody should be working with this on. But I think that one of the great things art like this, like South Pacific, can do is unify us around a common point of is take characters on it, like characters on a journey who are stand-ins for the audience to go to a place and be like. Okay, like at the end, this person's gone on a journey, and I've been, sympath- you know, sort of subversively, like I've got, like, okay, I'm with you, okay, I'm with you, and like Nelly discovered, like, okay, she's into the Frenchman. Oh wait, he has two children. Oh wait, they're oh, okay. I never went. I'm out. Well, I'm kind of back in. All right, I'm slowly back in. No, I'm out again. No, oh, oh, okay. Like no, and he almost died. Okay, great. No, I'm all the way back I'm in. All there. <laughs> it does a really good job, and then also by killing Lieutenant Cable, which is very important, gives the audience this sort of like. Oh, like now, what, what now I'm sympathizing done? with the. And I the, wanted them together. Right, and now I'm sympathizing with the girl he left behind, who is unlike me in any way as a white audience member. And I'm with her, like 100% mm-hmm. with her. And that is that sort of subversive, you've got to be carefully taught, like undercut of, of you know, it's not in your face, but, yes, you're, they, but it's in your they, heart. They make, they have the audience rooting for a relationship that doesn't get to happen. And when. You know, when the empathy comes in and people are sad about it, they realize, oh, oh, it doesn't, none of that matters, Mm -hmm. you know? And some people just don't want to have that conversation. Right. Some people just don't even want to think about it. Yeah. They like the status quo. Mm -hmm. But that's one of the reasons I love this show is that I can put it on for my children and they can hear the music and... It's the one show I actually really enjoy Mary Martin's voice in. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. I, you know, well, you say that, but what's funny is that listening to it this most recent time, I had that thought that it was like, oh, this is Amer-, like it, it was, and it was um, Cockeyed Optimist. Yes. We were about four, you know, like a verse and a half into that, and I thought, oh, right, this is Mary Martin singing. I could say life is just a ball of jello and appear more intelligent and smart 
But I'm stuck like a dope with a thing called hope And I can't get it out of my heart Now this heart She sings it so smoothly and beautifully yeah. which In other things, she just seems so... Ah, and my first exposure to was her Peter was Peter Pan. Pan. That's a, yeah, I think which I never most people's liked. first exposure to her. Um, I love Peter Pan, right? But I didn't like her, her and Peter, Peter Pan. Pan. It's a very extreme, it, yeah. Portrayal. I don't know. I well, feel and Sound of Music, I know it, she's fine. Um, <laughs> she's not my favorite. But in Sound of Music's the same way. She's playing kind of an aggressively cheery child-like figure, which is. Nellie is not that. No, Nellie is not very smart. I mean, she's a nurse. She's uh, but she is an optimist. I mean, she's but she's optimistic. That but word she's is smart. the best word. Well, that's but the thing is, she always looks on the bright side of any situation. She's going to make the best of it, right? But that's not the sort of like Peter Pan is a child. Yes, who when things go bad bursts into tears and pouts and pouts. She's and very pouty, and, and um. Maria in Sound of Music isn't quite the same way, but she is very like she's a Mary Sue kind of like, hey, right. I'm, like I'm gonna change yeah. all your minds through song, and you're just like, <laughs> very and eventually you sugar. Up. You know, right. Yeah, it's all ugh. there. There's there's also in the loneliness of evening. There's a vulnerability mm, in the mm-hmm. way she sings it. Um, it is a much more. I mean, she's much. Uh, this more character vulnerable. is so much more deep than Although, Peter Pan or Maria is. The New York Times, when oh. who loved the show, mm-hmm. they you know they said you'll find high standards of characterization and acting throughout. They actually said about Mary Martin, there seems to be a little of Annie Oakley, the Gun Girl, left in Miss Martin's attack on a song, or perhaps it's. Uh, and perhaps this should be exercised by slow degrees. Ooh. <laughs> Which I was like, ooh, burn. Yeah, that's a, You know, because Annie Oakley, again, is very like, Rrr. Right. You know. Well, and that's Mary Martin's and... persona. I mean, that's her. what she's like. That's who she was, yeah. But here, I really enjoy listening to her. It's so, yeah. she sings it so lyrically. And and I, there is a vulnerability that I haven't heard her have in other things. I mean, I'm not. A Mary Martin super well, fan, right, or for a you scholar. Know, on scholar. Mary Martin, right. It's just my humble oof, opinion. Right. But that but, is certainly her. I mean, she is sort of prototype. In my head, she's sort of a prototypical Lucille Ball. Like I can draw a line between Mary Martin and Lucille Ball in in sort of cultural you can expression. See the parallels. Exactly right. And she's the all American girl. Exactly. You know, yeah. Which isn't which is and funny that she was in the original running or she was originally cast to play Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl. Oh I could see that. It was developed for her initially and is one of the reasons Sondheim she didn't want to be old. a part of the project. She would have been old and she would have been <laughs> once she's not Jewish. And which is what Sondheim said, which is why he didn't want to, one of the reasons he didn't want to do it is because the characters like Mary Martin can't play Fanny Bryce in his yeah, in his estimation. It'll be too much of a character. character. And of course it went to Barbara Streisand, who is a but there is also a line I can draw between Mary Martin and Barbara Streisand in terms of that goofy like not traditionally beautiful leading lady who's sort of leaning into her quirkiness a little bit to make that more like, and then bringing out those sort of the, this, no, this is me and I'm, I'm still great and I'm great and attractive in this way. And, and like, just cause I don't look like what your standard is, doesn't mean like I, I can nail it. So that, and that's funny to me. Like there's that kind of like through line there, but yeah, she does end up, I think in her estimation, mainly cause she's mainly known to people our age as Peter Pan. As Peter Pan. <laughs> But anyway, we're talking about South Pacific. The South Pacific is great. Is, I, yeah, is wonderful. And this show, to me, like this idea of you got to be carefully taught, transcends into the universal. And the and I think the understanding that this whole nature versus nurture thing of like a lot of this is nurture, like a lot of your a ton of it, yeah, is a lot nurture. of your behavior and your approach to things is nurtured. I mean, not it nature. cannot exist without nature. They they so the whole argument of one versus the other in my mind is like no, it it yeah. they they coexist. They're inexorably linked. Yeah, um, and. Depending on the situation, one will uh, play a stronger role than the other. But that's all on a situation-to-situation basis. Right. Um, yes, in this show, it's like this has been how we've been nurtured. And now we're going to take it and we're going to turn upside down. And you're going to learn something mm-hmm. completely new. You're Still gonna founded on our values. On though, your of, values. Of the values of but love. But you're going right. to understand a new perspective of it. Right. That you, you're, what you've been taught is warped right 
and it's been warped because of fear. Mm-hmm. And the whole reason we're in this situation is because of fear and lack of understanding. Yeah. But we're going to talk about that. And we're going to be silly. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about it some more. Right. <laughs> fear is the mind killer. Fear is going to, yeah. It's all about fear. And, you know, who doesn't love a grass skirt and men in coconuts? I mean, come on. It's everybody. I was just watching Peter and the Starcatcher at Constellation. Uh-huh. That's my favorite part. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's Matt Schley with a right. coconut skirt on. I'm like, yes. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the show. It's the dumbest part. Right. Doesn't bring it further just has right. no plot point whatsoever it's just delightful all right <laughs> hey my favorite i part. love delightful it's entertaining yeah it's light it, it, it's fun per, um south pacific is entertaining it's thought-provoking it's beautiful and it's flawed as everything is but its point of view is it's right there it's specific and and it, it, so just enjoy it i know and and it for us it's like uh you have to be taught it's just a reminder of what it was like for generations of the past because we've been taught differently mm-hmm. so it's kind of like oh i mean that's when i first understood that song i was like oh, that's how it was for people I can't believe it. It's so shocking. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's wonderful to be able to have that be the feeling. Not to, you know, to be shocked that people would think otherwise. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I dig it. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. If you like the original cast, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. It's the easiest way to make sure other people find the show. The original cast is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. Once again, the original cast is brought to you this week by Monumental Theatre Company's production of Five Lesbians Eating a Quiche, directed by Jimmy Mavriquez. Tickets are now on sale through their website, MonumentalTheatre.org. My thanks to Patricia Hurley Carpenter for coming down and talking to me today. <laughs> I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. It's a great way to go out. <laughs> You're just laughing. <laughs>